Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 152nd episode of Power Your Parenting Moms to Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. For the next 12 weeks, I'm going to focus on one chapter from my upcoming book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. The first chapter of Dial Up the Dream starts in junior, senior year. And this is because this is when it can get really intense for moms. You start feeling the pressure to get your daughter across the high school finish line. You have a future focus. Most of you want your daughter to get into college, and so it's easy to get tunnel vision. It's easy to hyper-focus on grades. You think, why is she watching Grey's Anatomy? She should be studying more. She's not taking her grades seriously enough. You, the parent, knows what it's going to take to get into the college of your teen's choice or your choice. Many junior and senior teens think it will just magically happen, which can make you panic. With your intense future focus, this can increase the conflict or drama between your junior, senior, and you. You, the mom, can get really frustrated that your teen is not filling out their college applications or working on their college essays. Also think there can be a panic that starts to settle in in towards the end of your junior year and through your senior year, and it's always present inside of you that worries and panics that your teen is not ready to go to college or be out on their own when they graduate from high school. So it can make you extra sensitive when you see them do irresponsible things. And these kind of statements I've heard like a million times from moms. How can she be ready to go to college if she can't even 
show up to work on time, write her college essays, clean her room, make a phone call, manage her time, or control her drinking. So in this chapter, chapter one, I interviewed moms who are looking back at this time during the junior and senior year, and I asked them if you could do it again. And here's what a few of them said. I wish I'd worked more communication skills. I needed to really listen to my daughter's perspective and opinions instead of automatically saying no. I'd focus more on connecting and less on correcting. I'd spend more time coaching, nudging, and supporting. I'd focus on her gifts and strengths and not worry so much about the condition of her room. I would not parent out of fear. And I had a lot more of those. So here's the deal. Your daughter is going to leave home and you're going to miss her a ton. And you don't want those last two years to be all struggle and drama. You want to continue to nurture your relationship with your daughter to get the most of these years. And this chapter describes the struggles and gives you tools so that you don't miss the good stuff with your daughter those last years she is home. Okay, I have a treat for you in this episode, especially if any of you listening have a son or daughter that's about to graduate from college. Rags to Riches author and CEO Gene Rice and his high school English teacher daughter, Courtney, share critical information alongside professional and personal successes and failures to demystify adulthood. They are the co-authors of the book, Grad to Grown Up, which teaches everything you didn't learn in school, but all you need to know to launch your personal and professional life. There are five sections in the book that give incredibly practical tips to young adults. There are 68 tips to help you excel in your personal life, job search, career, personal finance, and health and relationships. This book provides real-world insights that are often overlooked in formal education. Jean Rice is a leading executive retained recruiter, placing over a 1,000 executives while building one of the largest search firms in the world. He is also chairman of Rice Cohen International and co-founder of Plant a Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation, which has helped over 700 kids pursue their passions. He brings a desire to help others to all he does. Courtney is a high school English teacher who uses her passion for literature to inspire others to inform her work. She enjoys mentoring teachers and helping her students find their inner voices. So welcome, Courtney and Jean. Thank Thank you, you. Colleen. It's really nice to be here. We're excited. Yes. So we have a father-daughter duo here today, and this is going to be great. And y'all have a book coming out. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I will. But I I first want to comment, Colleen, because you're going to get a chance to see me. Your listeners probably won't. But I had three daughters that were all teenagers at the same time. (laughs) And I had a full head of hair before that. And I want your audience to know now I am completely So I I lived through those teenage years. That's why I have so much respect for your podcast. I love that. Okay, that's a wonderful way to start. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we wrote a book together called Grad to Grown Up. And it is based on, for 25 plus years in my company, Colleen, every summer I would bring in four college interns. These were four very bright kids from good universities all going into their senior year. Once a week, I would schedule two hours with them. And it started off as Gene's life lessons, things I wish I knew when I was going into my senior year. 
And what came out of those sessions was all these additional questions that these young, these young smart professionals had. And that's where the whole idea of the book came from. And I was just very, very surprised how ill-prepared a lot of them were to start not only their professional lives, but their personal lives. So these are all 68 tips of mistakes I made that, that I learned from, that I wish I had a roadmap for, that I want to give as a gift to someone. And if someone can get two or three chapters out of this that helps them, then the purpose of me writing the book has been fulfilled. And what's really exciting is the book developed into, like my my dad just explained, tips on your personal and your professional life. So as we started this project, it was a very easy match to say, okay, we're going to write about career advice. My dad is an executive recruiter. And so for over 30 years, he has been in the business industry, helping people get their dream jobs, helping them interview, build their careers. So that was a natural fit. But my dad's also the most amazing person I have ever met. He's evolved. He's always learning. He's always reading and not talking about the personal stuff, not talking about what he's done to make himself a better person, to be a better father, to be a better husband, just to be a better man. It felt like we were doing a disservice if we left all of that out. And so we were kind of being pushed in some ways by our publisher to do a business book, but we felt like you can't have professional success without the personal success. And so, so that's why we have five sections here. We have life advice, we have job search, your career, personal finance, and then we end with health and relationships. Yeah, and Colleen, just to add to that, right? So when our agent was trying to find a publisher for the book, because not only have I been in the executive search industry for over 30 years, I built one of the largest retained search firms. I've placed over a thousand C-level executives myself. My company has placed tens of thousands. They wanted me to do the whole book on career. And I said, I won't because I, I know for a fact that you can't have professional success without having personal success. The executives that I place, the ones that are the most successful are the ones that not only have professional success, but they have figured out the personal side of it. A recent study came out, Colleen, where they interviewed, now this was only 2,000 male executives, but out of those 2,000 male executives, 81% of them said they did not have job satisfaction in what they were doing. That was my experience as well. So one of the things the book goes into is talking about how important it is for a young person not to give up their dreams, not to give up something they're passionate about. Because Courtney and I both believe that one of the goals in life should be to find something that you sincerely love doing and then doing it well enough that you can make a living doing it. Because if you can figure that out, you don't wake up in the morning going to a job. You don't wake up in the morning going to work. You go, you wake up going to something you love. Your, my experience has been your personal health is better. Your relationships are better. The glass isn't half full. The glass can be overflowing if you can find that. So it's one of the things that we talk about in the book and we hope will help some young people pursue their dreams. Well, and I had to turn to him and say, you know, Deb, we're talking to young adults. I'm a young adult. So are you telling me if I want to sit around and drink wine all day like is that can that be my dream job like are you telling me to go out and do that and so we had to really and I think that was my role in a lot of this was to make 
these tips accessible to the younger generation and across professions because I'm a teacher, I'm a high school English teacher. So I work with young adults all the time, right? I'm a young mother as well. And I'm a young adult trying to figure everything out. And so that was my role to come in and push him there because I think when we talk about finding your passion, it's not just finding the one thing you love. It's really looking at what are the qualities of a job or the habits that make you excited. So just because you love basketball doesn't mean you have to be an NBA star, right? Maybe you love basketball because you love being in a team environment, right? It it makes you feel alive when you're you're working with a group um, to accomplish a goal, right? And so that is then something that can be translated to multiple careers. So, so we talk a lot about that, right? What are the, what are the habits or aspects of a job um, that you would want to see? Not necessarily what's the one profession you have to have, although that, that can be a conversation as well. And, you know, and Colleen, you know, what surprised me is, uh, you know, some of these interns that I had, one did go on to be an NBA player. We have doctors, we have lawyers, we have engineers, we have accountants. And when you sit down with a lot of these young people and you ask them, why did you choose this career, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them will say someone influential in their life kind of pushed them that way. They said, there's a job there. You can make a living doing that. And that's something parents should be doing, right? But I also think what parents should be doing, right, is a couple of other things. Number one, if they have a dream, I don't care. Maybe they want to develop video games, Right. Whatever that dream might be, you know, and I can give you some examples. We talk in the book about some examples about young people that were really passionate but didn't had no idea how to get a job or even get an interview, and we walked them through how to do that. I think every parent should let that child dream as, as long as they can because every big dream started with a dreamer. It doesn't mean they can't have a backup plan, but encourage that dream because I think it's really, really important. And what I did with my children, with Courtney, and this is something I strongly recommend, when they have something they're interested in, go do a summer internship for free. Call, Mm -hmm. people will bring you in for free, right? Let me give you an example. Courtney, she went to Lehigh. She had a double major in economics and English. At Lehigh, if you have a 3.75 GPA after four years, they'll pay for your advanced degree. They paid for her master's degree. She thought she wanted to be a lawyer, Colleen, right? I knew I had two family members and a couple of my college interns that became lawyers and absolutely hated being a lawyer. Yeah. So I said to Courtney, let's find, let's find a small law firm that maybe they'll go in for free and maybe a partner will expose you to what being a lawyer is all about. Because, you know, my son-in-law... And my brother-in-law, they went to two of the best law schools in America. One went to NYU, one went to Boston College. They both graduated in the top 25% of their class. And when they came out and they practiced law in large law firms, they absolutely woke up every day and dreaded what they were doing. The billable hours, what they had to do. So I didn't want her doing that without knowing what she was going to get involved in. I found a small law firm where a partner, I knew him, took her in one summer He exposed her to everything that a lawyer would do. The administrative side, he took her into the courtroom. He had her doing the research. Well, when that summer was over, she no longer had any interest in being a lawyer. And let me tell you what I learned the most from was eating lunch 
with the clerks, right? It's really (laughs) when you get to just sit down and hear what people complain about on a day-to-day basis. Everyone complains, of course, but when you hear really what it's like day in and day out, that's when you know if you can do it or not. So I think that's the best situation my dad ever helped me find because I was getting a lot of external messages that I should do something quote unquote, better or more respected, not from my parents, but just from the world society than being a teacher, right? Like there's the whole saying, those who can't do teach. And for some reason I was at this, I was at this very high performing school where everyone was going on to med school, law school, or moving to New York, working in accounting, going into the big four. And I felt like I needed to do that as well. And so I thought being a lawyer would be that path. And my dad helping me figure out that it wasn't for me, but then also saying, I support whatever you want to do. And he was the most proud of me when I said I wanted to be a teacher. I was worried to tell him for some reason, but he is is and was really proud of just following what it was that is is my passion. So definitely getting those internships, eating lunch and hearing what people talk about around the water cooler is the way to go. And and Colleen, I've seen her in the classroom and I can't be more proud. And she is so passionate when she's in that classroom with her students. Now, the administrative part of teaching can get a little dicey at times, right? And I think one of the greatest things that came out of writing this book with my daughter is she was with a big school district and she loved the classroom, but she was unhappy with how the school was being run. And this book and writing this book encouraged her to say, if I'm not happy, I should go out and find another environment where I can be happier. And that came as a result of writing this book together. So that's nothing else. I was, yeah, I was going to ask, like a lot of parents wouldn't venture doing a joint project with their kid. So how was it, what was the process like of working with your dad and working with Courtney? So what was interesting is my dad has been saying to me for years, I want to write a book and I need, I need you for this. And that was really exciting for me because I'm one of four siblings and all three of my siblings in one way or another are in my dad's industry. Even my one sister, who's a speech therapist, her her husband's in the industry. And so in a lot of ways, I wanted to feel close to my dad professionally, but knew that that my path was different. And so for him to come to me and say, I need you for this, it was just exciting. And the perfect time arose. We've been talking about this for years, but the pandemic hit and I was a first time mom. My son was born two weeks into the shutdown in the end of March of 2020. And I took an extended maternity leave to be home with him, but I was itching to do something more. And so, you know, I looked at my dad, he was ready to do this. We said, let's do this. We took a course together, which was so funny because I hear about my dad in the old days. He owned rock and roll clubs. I thought he was probably the least studious person. I am a, I I was always the goody two shoes. And so I sat down and I took this course from him. And I was bewildered. I looked at him and I was like, I got more from you than I thought. He was taking his notes every day. He was a very good student. I was, I was proud to learn that. <laughs> but we took a course together and we, we were like, okay, we can do this. And it started out, my dad was verbalizing the chapters. He would record, he recorded over a hundred chapters. We cut it down to 68, but there was over a hundred of them. And he would send them to me and then I would craft them. 
And so I wasn't even going to have a voice in the original plan, but as it came together, my dad, you know, my dad, yeah, he, he, he made me a partner, which is amazing to have your father do that. And it became what it is now, which we are so in love with, but it was just this, this amazing process. And as a parent, if you can do that for your child, just say, I need you. And I, I want you for this. There's nothing that makes them feel more seen and valued. So, I mean, my dad can talk about it from his perspective. No, it, it was wonderful, Colleen, you know, you know, and my wife watched uh, our grandson, Courtney's child as, as Courtney and I were collaborating together. And it was just exciting because as we went over each chapter, she would then give her perspective from her childhood and how it related to her. And it, it brought everything full circle to me. And that's why I'm saying to you, for me, you know, this book, financially, any, any money that comes from it, it's going to go to the charity to help the kids. But for me, it's just, I want to help. I want to give back, you know, and uh, if people can get, at, get something out of it, then this has been a really good project. And if no one gets anything out of it, it's been a wonderful project to work on with my daughter. And what she most, got a new yeah, job out of it. I did. And <laughs> yeah. what most people won't know um, when you read the book is how big of a part my mom had in it. <laughs> and this was fun because you talk about mothers and, and daughters. Yeah. We, we teamed up on him so much. We would sit together <laughs> after a day of writing. My mom would come in and be the third party. And I'd be kicking her under the table and be like, you like my version better, right? Like we'd be like ganging up on him about what we could and couldn't say, but she was, she was that third party for us. It was fun. I couldn't win. I couldn't win. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, let's jump into the book and I mean, you'll have a lot to say. So how about if we just pick one tip and I know there's a kajillion and what I would say just from what I've seen so far is it would be impossible for someone not to get a lot of great content out of this. So I will tell you that. So why don't we just pick one under each category? Sure. Well, here's one in in the first section, the life section, Colleen. Okay. There's a chapter. Chapter eight is know your linchpin, right? And I don't know if a lot of uh, young people know what a linchpin is, but you know, it's a, it's a pin that, that holds a wheel in place. If the pin comes out, the wheel falls off and everything collapses. I know in my own life, what really helped me is when I identified the things that I need to do on a daily and a weekly basis to keep the pin in place, my external relationships were a lot better. So young people, I think a lot of them are moving from this to that, and they never identify those things that are important that they must do to keep the wheel in place. So for myself personally, I know if I meditate every day, if I get some exercise, right? If I have some family time, okay? If I do some reading, right? Then the wheel stays in place. The pin doesn't fall out. And there's a chapter about how important it is and how you go about identifying that. And I think young people sometimes, they'll start their career and things get so crazy and depending on the career, they could be working a lot of hours that if they haven't identified what keeps their linchpin in place, that they can get overwhelmed. And there's a chapter on how important it is and, and why we think that's critical. Yeah. And Colleen, I think you can relate to this with the book you have coming out. But as we become mothers and and then I would imagine as your children then go off on their own, you lose a huge part of your identity and you don't really know 
what that linchpin or what that, you know, entertainment is for you outside of that identity of, of mother or for me as of teacher. And so as we sat down, right, this is very simple advice. Do things that you love to re-energize yourself. But as a young adult who has thrown myself into my profession and then just had a baby, those things that I loved, even though in high school I played volleyball, I played clarinet. As you get older and there's no teams, there's no practices anymore, those things aren't there. And so my dad turned to me during this process and he listed a bunch of linchpins, things that he needed to do to keep himself together. And I couldn't list one. I could list things that maybe made me feel good, but things that I did consistently, I couldn't. And so that was a real eye-opening moment for me. I need to, you know, start meditating again. I really need to make time. Not, I can scroll through the TV, but that's not, that doesn't make me feel alive. I needed to make time to do something creative. And so that's the best part about this book. It's some of the advice. Some of it is things you would have never thought of, but some of it are, tips that you just need to hear again so that you remember to prioritize it and take that time for you. Yeah. And Jane, if you've seen a ton of interns, what I've seen is that these young adults get out of college and you want to just, you know, crush it. You want to be successful. You're going to put 60 hours a week in there. And so it might feel like the linchpin isn't that important because the job is important. So can you speak to that? You know, I'm sure you've heard that from your interns or seen that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them too, because they were really bright kids. You know, if you go into the financial services industry, right? Or you go into a, a you're a young lawyer, right? Yeah. Or even some of the accounting firms or the consulting firms. You're mentioning 60 hours, Colleen. Some of them are putting 80 plus hours in, right? And they're at the beck and call of that partner, right? Or that manager, right? And, and their head is spinning. There, and I can tell you stories about that. Well, the first thing they have to do is they have to say, okay, and maybe it's only a 10 minute meditation. Maybe it's a 20 minute run, but what are those things that are important to you that you can put those 80 hours in, you know? What are those things you have to do where you're not gonna burn out and you're not gonna hate the job six months into it? So that's what this chapter talks about and it's critical and you're absolutely right. Uh, I see Courtney. You know, as a high school English teacher, it's not like the gym teacher where you can leave and go home, right? Gym she's, teachers have take home work too, but I have a lot of papers. She comes home and she walks yeah. papers and she's got to read papers every night, you know? So every career, and it's just important. It's not only important for young people, it's, you know, it's important for everybody in my opinion. Oh, you know? of course, of course. So how about a tip in job search? Yeah, I'm just going to give you a quick overview on this chapter because this is the chapter where you're going to get the most value out based on my career. Okay, great. This is a chapter which, first of all, tells, and this is not just for a young person, anyone. If you have a passion for a job, but you have no idea how to get a career in it, this is a, a roadmap. It's a game plan on how to go about finding that, how to get interviews. And then once you have the interview, here's what's critical. And this is something that surprises me, and I, I think they have to do a best job. I think another one of the goals in life especially for someone, is to become an A-plus interviewer, Colleen. You know why? When you interview for that job that you really want and you're competing against four other candidates, let me tell you, the A-plus interviewer is the one that's offered the job. This walks them through 
a five-step process that has worked with the thousand C-level executives I've placed from how you start the interview, how you conduct the interview, how you finish the interview, how you follow up from the interview, how you negotiate the offer. From start to finish, it will walk you through everything involved. Mm. But this chapter really, there's a lot of stuff. This section has a lot of substance for anyone who's starting their career, who's looking to make a move in their career, or who wants to change careers. It's really invaluable. My dad, I, I believe I said this before, but he has made interviewing and getting a job a science. He has a start to finish black and white blueprint. And I have friends, all of my siblings have friends, and we all have this story that has happened multiple times. Our friends can't get a job. They sit down with my dad for 45 minutes. He goes through the five steps of the interview process and they get the next job. I've been told I'm the best interviewer someone has had. And that is not because I'm a great interviewer. I'm very awkward. I'm a very awkward person, but I have followed his process. And I am telling you, you get the next job you go on. He just has really gotten this down to a science and gives you very, very good tips. So for example, the first step of the interview process is building rapport. And he tells you intricacies as much as like when you walk into someone's office, or let's say you're even having a Skype interview, you steal with your eyes. So if you see a picture of someone's son on their desk with a basketball, and you can connect to that and bring up their child and basketball, you know what that could do for you. And so even little tips like that come into this book. And you know, Colleen, with young people, you have to make it very real to them, right? So the the first step, like Courtney said, building rapport. I always start that off by saying to them, I want to fast forward your career 10 years down the road. You're now a manager. You have a key position. You're interviewing five people. You have two finalists that are equal in experience. Both are completely qualified to do the job. Both of them are thumbs up from everyone who's interviewed them. But you only have one job. What's going to make a difference of you selecting one over the other? What would give what would you have a tie? What's going to make you pick one over the other? And reality is, Colleen, it's the one who made a better personal connection with that hiring manager. Mm, yeah, it's the person who connected personally with them. So we walked them through how to do that and how to build that rapport. And that's just the first step. And then it goes on to everything else, you know. It, and that's that's a people skill, right? So even if you're raising a teenager right now and they're just going into college. This applies to even just meeting new people, right? Building rapport. This applies to getting that internship or making a connection with your boss. So even in the job search section, there are a lot of tips that just apply to as you're moving from a, a young adult and you're going into adulthood, you know, what can you do to really give yourself that step up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got us all very curious about this process. So go ahead. Can you go into the other steps? Yeah, if you want me to, sure. Don't give away everything in the book, though, Dad. (laughs) Just just the overview. (laughs) Well, okay. The first step, Colleen, is you want to build rapport. Yeah. Then here's the second step. And again, you have to make it real for them. So I would say to a young person, let me ask you a question. How much better would you do on a test if you had the answers before the test? How much better? i do a lot better. Okay. Well, A lot of people go into a job interview, Colleen, and they've read a job description, or maybe a recruiter has given them an overview, right? What they don't realize is that job description has been put together usually by 
a group of people from talent acquisition, HR. They might get some feedback from people that are in the role and they put together a job description. Reality is there's gonna be three to five people that are normally involved in an interviewing process from the company side. Each one of those people are gonna have a little different spin on what's important to them in that, in that position. So I coach them up front early on. If you get a chance early on, I want you to ask a very simple question. And the question goes something like this. I researched your company. I was really interested in the position. And I know we have limited time to speak today. And I was wondering if you would share with me what's most important in the background of the candidate that you want to bring in to do this position. And you can add something like, just so that I can share the most relevant information with you and, and, and you know, because I value your time. Oh, great. And then, great. And then it becomes the HR executive is going to have a whole different spin than the direct manager from the peer, right? The first two or three things that person's going to mention to you are going to be most important to them. Your job in that interview before it's over is to make sure you share with them how you match to their criteria. Make sure they understand how you address what's most important to them. Okay. And in the book, we walk through a, some specific examples. If the HR manager says this, here's how you would answer and take your expertise and background when you talk to them versus if your direct boss wanted to see this out of a candidate, here's how you would share this part of your background. So we go through like specific scenarios. Yeah. The third thing, Colleen, is in every single interview, the candidate's going to be asked questions, but they're also going to be given time to ask their questions. There's a couple of things. We take them through how to be prepared for the questions that they're going to be asked. We take them through some of the curveball questions that people might throw out. Tell me about yourself. What attracted you to this company, right? But can then, we, wait, but, can we tell them the story of when you listened in and I was asked that question? <laughs> that, that, so very, very quickly, my dad, I, I had a Skype interview with someone and my dad said, you know, do you mind if I just listen in? You won't see me. And he listened in on my interview. And I was asked the question, tell me about yourself. And that's why we made this a chapter in this section, because I had no idea how to answer it. I was like, I like meditation. I climbed a mountain. <laughs> he was running in front of the screen, holding up signs that said, no, tell them about yourself in relation to the job, right? Like that's a trick question. You don't tell them what you like to do. And then he was kicking himself. I didn't prepare you. So that, that is now a chapter in the book. But yes, there's a whole, there's a bunch of chapters about how to answer the questions. But, but the third step but Colleen, in this, but, yeah. But yes. the third question is a lot of people, especially young people, there's a new form of interviewing now called behavior-based interviewing. So we walked them through exactly what a behavior-based interview is and how to prepare for it. But the other piece of it that's critical is they don't know the types of questions that they should ask, right? So to give you an example, my son asked me, he had a friend of his who was graduating from a really good university with a very high GPA engineering degree, right? Now there's tons of jobs out there. He had gone on nine interviews and he had gotten no offers. He said, dad, will you spend some time with him? And one of the questions I asked him is, what kinds of questions are you asking? And he was asking what I call win-lose questions, right? Yeah. One of the questions he asked his company was, I, I understand your stock price has been going down. Can you explain to me why? 
another another interview he said i read i read that your ceo has had some uh sexual harassment charges can you can, how, how is the company handling that and I'm like, no 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 i said i promise you i want everyone you every one of your questions will get answered before you accept this job but i want to teach you what a win-win question is early on i want you to ask win-win questions and i'm not going to go into them colleen but your audience, if they want, at the end, they can go to our website and they can download those questions. Yeah, right? we have a list of questions they can ask. On that an interview. Right. Right. That's right. right. So that's that's the third thing. Now, what's the yeah. fourth thing? Here's the fourth thing. And I, I know this is taking a little bit of time, but it was your question. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Colleen, uh, the one thing I can tell you about executive search is that every one of my clients that ever did any type of interview of a candidate would always have some sort of concerns about that candidate. Sometimes the concern is the candidate's overqualified. Sometimes the concern is the candidate's underqualified. As an executive search professional, the only time I got concerned is when there was no concerns because the concerns were the buying signals, right? Mm. So to explain to a young person, I want you to understand the concerns and I want you to be given a chance to address them if they're false and overcome them and get agreement that they're no longer a concern or to minimize them and maximize your strengths if it's a real concern. I don't want you to leave that interview and think it went great and there was one minor concern and you don't get the job. So I teach them how to ask that question at the end. Yeah. And the question goes somewhere like this. You know, I was really interested about the, the role in the company before coming after spending time with you, I want you to know that my interest has gone up if that's how they feel and here's why it's gone up. And then based on what you told me you were looking for in the background of the candidate, I think I'm a really good fit and here's why. Do you have any concerns that I could add value to the company in this role? And shut up and just listen. And if they come back and say, well, I really wanted more experience, you don't have this experience, you just don't accept that. Here's how you have to come back. I do not have that experience. What I do have is I have a work ethic that will beat anyone else that you'll bring in. I will take my time at night and on weekends, and I will do the research in the background to come up to speed on what I do not have. And if given the opportunity, I promise you, you will not regret this decision to bring me on board. Right. I'll fill that knowledge gap. And also, sometimes you just hear, like my dad said, something that you know you have that you just forgot to mention so I've been told on an interview, you know, we're, we're worried about your literature background. Do you have enough literature, you know, in your background? And of course I did. I just had been talking more about teaching practices and pedagogy. So that <laughs> gave me the chance to bring that up. And then the last thing I teach them is do not leave that interview without understanding the next steps. And here's how you find out the next steps. Okay. But it, it's a process. It goes into great detail. Each one of these right, chapters. Right, right. Yeah. And they have to rehearse it. They got to practice it, Colleen. But, but like I mentioned, the better they become at this, the better they're going to become when they are interviewing for a job they really want and being able to be the one they offer the job to. And I think the overall advice with this that I always love that he gives me when I call him with doubts, like, uh, maybe I don't want to go to a second round with this company. He always says, you don't have a decision until you have an offer. So right now, no matter where you're interviewing, you just want the offer. Then we'll talk about those things, right? So get the offers and then explore the rest. Oh, this is really, really rich, rich content. So thank you. All right. I think we have time for maybe a couple more tips. So 
Um, well, why don't we go? The next one is uh, career real quick. So why don't I just share with you? And I tell all young people. So when I would bring four college interns in every summer, the first day they're there, I would say to them, listen, you're doing an internship here at my company. When this internship is over, when, these, when this eight weeks is over, I hope that you're able to walk away from this and say, is executive search something I might be interested in for a career? Because we're going to expose you to that, okay? We're going to give you an opportunity to learn about this, okay? The next thing, though, is if you go out of your way, there's people in this office, they're very busy, but each one of them, they were in your position at one point. If you go out of your way, take them to lunch, get to know them, your goal at the end of this internship is you should have a mentor or mentors that come out of here. You should have people that would be willing to talk about you on your behalf. If you don't take advantage of that, you have not taken the advantage of this internship. So we talk about the importance of mentors and how to go about doing that. Young people are uncomfortable sometimes approaching more senior people. And as the as a parent of a teen, if you're listening to this, as your child's going into college, those finding those mentors and your professors is really important just even at the college level. I know as a teacher, if a student shows an interest, you will jump over backwards to help them. And so a lot of your professors in college are going to be people who were in the fields that you want to go into or who can help you. So this applies to even your post high school immediate years. And then the last thing I tell my college interns, if you leave this summer and you're not an A plus interviewer, you didn't take advantage of what you can out of this internship. Learn, learn, listen, learn and listen. Uh, so that's that's from that chat. Next one, personal finance. I'll just talk real quickly. The thing that really, really surprised me, Colleen, with my interns, they all had they all had college loans. They all knew how much they borrowed. They all knew they had to start paying it back after six months. But none of them could tell me how much that monthly bill was going to be because they don't figure it out until they borrow all four years. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were in majors, Colleen that some of them might not even use that major in their career, okay? And I'm a strong component, okay? When I see these kids that have college loans, $1,000, $1,200 a month for 10, 20 years, mm. there's $1.7 trillion in college loan debt in our country. That's oh my billion, $1.7 trillion in college loan debt. Wow. These kids, that's the reason why 35% of adult children are living at home with their parents, right? I'm a firm believer. You don't know what your major is going to be. You're still trying to figure that out, okay? Or even if you do, go to your community college. Do two years. And here's what most kids don't understand, Colleen. They're going to transfer that to a four-year school. They're going to have their arms around. They'll be two years older more mature, they're gonna know a little bit better what they really wanna be. When they graduate and they interview, you don't even have to put the community college on your resume if you don't. All they care about is the four year school. So why would you take on two extra years of college loans if you don't need to? That was the piece that really, really, I wish I got these interns a little bit earlier. So the high school school kids and the parents, I encourage them to really look into that. And my yeah. husband, we we talked about this. My husband did community college for two years first, and he didn't have any help 
paying for college and he got a job right out of college. He ended up transferring for his last two years to William Patterson. He worked at Deloitte right after, still has an amazing career and paid off his college loans before we got married, which is really impressive. Yeah. No, I I completely, completely agree. And I see a lot of parents and teens just freaking out because they don't know if they're going to get into the state college or whatever. And I'm saying, hey, the community college is the way to go. So I completely, for those two years, and I completely agree. That's that's very wise. What I like to tell my students, especially as a teacher who's worked in different high schools, college is not for everyone and that's okay too. There are right. other routes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, yeah. if we're quick, we could do one in health and relationships. Okay. This is one that I'm, I'm going to share with you because your audience, if they want to go to our website, can down, download this chapter as well. It's called Leave Your Baggage Behind. And maybe for parents, this is something that, that took me a few years to learn, Colleen. But I think everyone, you know, everyone in life, right? I think the biggest responsibility that a human being is given is the responsibility of being a parent. And what kind of formal training do we all get, right? I don't think there's any formal training. It's usually how you were raised yourself. And I came from an Irish, uh, Irish Catholic family and there were some dysfunctional things in my family, right? And there's a chapter on identifying, especially in a relationship. You know, you're in a relationship. And maybe you're thinking about, is this, is this my partner? Is this the person I want to spend the rest of my life with? Identify your own baggage. What were the things from your upbringing that were really good? But what were the things you'd like to leave behind? And if you can figure that out and leave it behind before you bring the next generation along, it's going to help. This, right? Yeah, it's this was help. a hard section or hard chapter for us to write. We really took a while working through it because you know, my parents' baggage became my reality. And so talking through this, right, my dad talks a lot about, you know, food and how issues with just weight, exercise, diet, how my mom's issues and his issues combined to make a perfect storm. And so for me, really, how I reflect on this is their, you know, their baggage became my reality, but now I'm an adult, right? So even if you're not in a relationship, you don't have kids, you're being affected by baggage. It's my life now. So I don't blame my parents. I'm an adult who can choose to heal, heal what's happened to me or not. And so, you know, I, I I start that section when I comment on it, like, hello, damaged daughter here. And I end it with saying, you know, sincerely healing adult, because it's my responsibility now to set the boundaries that I need and to, to grow from that. And so this is a really neat section because my, my dad can say where some things came from, with him and my mom. And then I can say, you know, here's how I then grew from it and, and stopped the cycle. Yeah. All right. So I just want to say that this book is really, really valuable and I, I love it. I love it. I think this would be a great graduation present for your college student. So that's what I think. So how can people find you and, you, had, you said you have some downloads that could help that were related to the book. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So the best place to go to start is our website, which is gradtogrownup.com. So that's G-R-A-D-T-O-G-R-O-W-N-U-P.com. Uh, and so there's downloads on there. There's actually places, if you've listened to this podcast, 
you can give us some feedback and you'll be entered in to win a free career counseling session for you or a loved one with my dad. So we have a giveaway for that. We we have, like I said, some tips for you. And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook for Grad to Grown Up. And uh, we'd love for you to follow us. You can pre-order our book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And we'll be really excited for when you do get it, April 12th. And we can start to have some of these conversations that are in the book moving forward. Great. So, so you have a foundation or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the importance of young people pursuing their passions. My wife and I started the charity in 2008, Colleen. And the charity is, I, I just know from my four children, when they had things that they were really passionate about, interest, it made such a difference, not only in their lives, but in their teenage years, right? It, it, it connected them with positive role models, whether it was the uh, guitar teacher, whether it was the basketball coach, uh, it gave them like-minded kids, so it, it developed friendships, and it really built their self-esteem. There are a lot of families that are struggling financially, and they have young people that have passions. And we do not want any young person not to have the opportunity to pursue something they're passionate about because of financial reasons, because their family's having a little difficulty right now. So they go to our website. We've helped almost 800 kids and every kid's interest is different. We got them into coding. We got them into every musical instrument, every sport, dance, cheerleading, horseback, you know, you name it. And it's called the Plant a Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation. And the website is plantaseedfoundation.org. So maybe there's some people out there and any, any financial rewards that come to me personally from this book, are being donated directly by the publisher right to the charity. Oh, I think that's wonderful. Well, Courtney and Jean, thank you so much for your time today. And I really enjoyed hearing what you do. And this is great. I, I think this would be such a great thing for a young person when they're like freaking out about, oh my gosh, I just graduated. What am I going to do? So I think this yeah. would be a great gift. We always say it's the book that should grow with you. So at different parts in your life, points in your life, when you do something, go back to it. So we have sections about buying a car. Do you rent a house or buy a house? So whatever you come across in life, you open the book back up again and, and get a little snippet about how to approach it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Colleen. You. I, I love what you're doing, Colleen. Yeah. And Best good luck, luck with your book. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Great to read it. Bye. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, you can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.